Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Max Olson joins us most Thursdays at 4. Uh, he's joining us on 365 Sports. Max, thanks for your time with Craig and Paul and uh, and myself, David Smoke, your thoughts about uh, Harbaugh and how this might be a pretty simple turnaround for Michigan. Your thoughts about the overall story itself? Yeah, pretty great to be with you guys as always. You know, I think this is something that we all have seen coming really ever since the, you know the day after Michigan won the national title. That uh, and and really, you could go back to the middle of the season um, uh, that it's not surprising that Jim Harbaugh was was a lot more serious about pursuing an NFL opportunity. I do think there's there's the upside piece of it for him of, you know, pursuing a, a, a Super Bowl and uh, kind of what's that next thing in his career at, after you've taken Michigan to the mountaintop. Um, and I think there, there's also the realistic thing of, like, you know, the, the NCAA is, is coming after Michigan and uh, on, on multiple fronts. And so you kind of know you're going to have to deal with that and potentially another suspension here in 24. So I think it made sense to, to get serious about pursuing a pro opportunity. And, you know, I think for, for Ward Manuel, I, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm sure that they offered him a very generous contract. I know they came out and said they offered, you know, to make him the highest paid coach in the country. I'm sure they did. Um, but I, I don't know that there's anything Michigan could have done to, to get Jim Harbaugh to stay. Um, I, I think the Chargers opportunity was just too good to pass up. And, you know, I think especially to be doing going through this this late in in, uh, in the winter here, um, I, I'd be surprised if it's anyone but Shrone Moore. For Michigan, um, I think that's kind of how everybody feels about this situation here. Not that there aren't great coaches out there that are that are worth looking at, and I think Ward Manuel, the Michigan AD, has probably had a few weeks to, to really explore what's out there. But I think 
for Michigan's ability to uh, kind of hold this team together and try to build off it. I mean, I think it makes sense. Now we'll see how much Jim Harbaugh takes with him to the pros. Um, and, and ultimately like, you know, can, can throw more, build a good staff and, and really have continuity there. But uh, I, that seems to be the expectation at this point in time that they're going to um, kind of play it safe and, and go internal hire with somebody who, obviously got some rest of the head coach this season. Yeah, that's probably the best test you could have is uh, the head coach at Michigan is to go beat Ohio State uh, in a in a very crucial moment for not only you as a – And win a, on the road at Penn State, too. Yeah. I mean, those, that – Yeah. Those things are pretty, huge. Pretty good. Yeah, those things are huge. Max, are there any – like, what are the, uh, at least to you, like, outward like drawbacks to not – uh, being able to maybe even go and do a head coaching search, like had Harbaugh left in in late November, December, like most coaches would. Oh yeah, I mean it's a it's a good question. I I, I think that like I you certainly if you think about like kind of like the the, the five you know, like kind of the medium long term here, you know will will Michigan look back and say they should have gone out and hired you know a, a top coach the way that that Alabama just did? Um, like yeah, there, there may be some element of that that you say. Um, you know, yeah, this was our chance. We were on top. We could have gone out and, and, and spent big and, and, and lured, you know, one of the best out there. But, you know, I think, I think Michigan is, is very proud of the fact that they won a national championship the Michigan way. And then I think that's, that's going to be a big priority here. Um, and, and, and certainly for their players who just have a lot of love for Sharon Moore and, and, and who, you know, want want to continue to, to, to win with him and have a, another playoff caliber team next year. Um, I, I think they just don't want to shake things up that much. Now, there's obviously really important parts to that. Like, can you keep your strength coach? Because he's a huge, huge part of the culture there. If Jim Harbaugh takes them with him, then the, like that kind of changes the culture a little bit, right? There's going to be aspects of that that in terms of making this repeatable and sustainable, um, you, you've either got to retain some of these really great people that are in your building or go out and really make some great hires. But I, there's going to be it's going to be challenging, and we're seeing what what Ohio State is spending, obviously, to try to go win the Big Ten in 24. So, um, and, and and you know Oregon too, and all these teams that are coming in. So it's going to be a challenging year for Michigan, but um, you kind of understand why it feels like the right thing to do. Max, uh, this you know is all for different reasons, and, and this is more of just a, a note that we heard earlier. But three of the four playoff coaches are no longer at their schools. That's just kind of the wild world of college yeah. football these days, isn't it? And Steve Sarkeesian, the last man standing. Uh, I mean, would you have Texas along with obviously a Penn State, Ohio State as maybe teams that benefit most from a, a Harbaugh going to the NFL? And and just yeah, your thoughts on, I mean, we just had the playoff three weeks ago and there's only one coach that still remains in the game as, or I guess remains where he was originally. Yeah. And I, you know, we've had a few weeks to think about this possibility and I, I was talking with, uh, you know, one of our editors at the athletic kind of trying to look at, Hey, what was the last time somebody played for a national championship and then bailed? Cause obviously that's now the case with Harbaugh and DeBoer. And there's really not much of a, of a history of that. In fact, the last one to win it all was, was Tom Osborne uh, retiring after, after his, his, you know, 97 in Nebraska and the last one to play in one um, and then leave was Chip Kelly. Um, so there's really, you know, people probably forget, but yeah, it's, it's, we don't see this very often. And I think it's, uh, you know, especially as we go into a year um, where it's going to feel a little, little bit more unpredictable with, with a 12 team playoff and more people having an opportunity to compete for, for um, playoff wins and a national championship and all that. Yeah. I mean, I think certainly like, I think Oregon is a beneficiary going into the big 10 as, as a program that is, uh, you know, got a lot coming back and is, 
uh, got some studs with Dylan Gabriel and Evan Stewart and, and a lot of great players coming in there. Um, I think you feel pretty good about your chance to go comp- compete in the Big Ten right away if Michigan's a little bit weaker. And they already were going to be with the players they're losing to the NFL draft and needing a new quarterback and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I think them and, and Texas and, and Ole Miss and some of these programs that uh, are certainly gearing up to make a run here, um, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not upset about what's going on in Michigan. But certainly I think this also – man, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about it plenty, but, man, we are just setting up for – just an extremely dramatic year at Ohio State uh, because the expectations could not be higher. And uh, it's, uh, you know, Ryan Day with, 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 the, with what they've brought in and then to also go, go make the interesting decision of bringing in Bill O'Brien. Like, it, it really is a championship or bust kind of year for Ryan Day, not just the Big Ten, but they need to be probably a Final Four team uh, in 24. And so uh, with, with Harbaugh gone, that doesn't mean that Ohio State's just going to run through the Big Ten. But – Certainly, it raises the expectations even higher that uh, this needs to be Ryan Day's best season yet at Ohio State. Max, you have uh, become really, really strong when it comes to following the transfer portal, uh, which, of course, is an everyday deal. And, it, you know, again, today some guys decided they weren't going to enter the portal after they were or whatever. Is it yeah. more than you could have ever imagined and it, it's probably not going to change much, whatever the decisions down the road of what people can or cannot do. Is it even yeah. more than you could have comprehended? It is. Yeah. And, and I've, I've looked at this, um, you know, you think back uh, a couple months ago, um, I feel it really wasn't that long ago when you, when you had the decision out of West Virginia that really kind of put the, the one-time transfer rule on pause. And then the NCAA came out and said that, you know, really for this whole portal cycle that uh, there would not be a one-time transfer rule, that there's unlimited transfers, you know, the effect of that is pretty obvious. Um, you know, at this point in time, compared to, you know, on this date last year, uh, transfers in terms of FBS scholarship transfers in, in college football are up 20%. And so that number just keeps going up every year, and it's not surprising, but we, we're seeing another jump in this offseason off um, already. And part of that is just that players know they can transfer as many times as they want and, uh, and, and, and kind of are making the assumption that that will be the case going forward here. And I think when you see some of the stuff in this cycle that's been surprising to me, one of them is you, you are seeing a lot of teams just kind of dump the transfers that didn't work out. And that's not really been the case in the past year. But if you have unlimited transfers, if you have kind of more of a free agent setup, that's going to be the case. And then we're already, you know, in the past couple of weeks, as you guys have seen, all of these uh, true freshmen, early enrollees that are already leaving mm-hmm. places like Alabama and Washington, these guys are, you know, if, if we're in a world of one-time transfers, these guys would not be doing that. They would not be burning their one transfer after a couple of weeks in college. But I think that is kind of a sign of what may what may come here. If, if student-athletes kind of feel like, uh, okay, this the rule's probably, you know, we're not going to get this back in the tube here, and you can transfer as many times as you want, they're kind of already acting that way. And so – you get it. I mean, you get, you know, certainly coaching changes factor into that big time and, and, and change, you know, what you think is going to go on. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's just getting the, the number of players transferring is just getting bigger every year. And, you know, the rules are not going to change that. Uh, they're, <laughs> it's going to keep going the other way. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot to follow. And uh, it's, it's, you know, depending on your perspective, it's either exciting or frustrating, but 
no, it's definitely grown uh, more than I expected for sure. Max, the only way I can see it like ever effectively changing would be, you know, this Charlie Baker, you know, proposed new world NCAA structure where you have a calendar that right now would not make sense. Like there would be things happening in April that normally wouldn't happen in April. There would be, you know, you might be signing your recruits in June or something like that, because that's the only month that it makes sense anymore. Like that, that's the only thing I can see is radically changing it, employment model and all that. Like otherwise it's just going to keep being chaos. Yeah. I I mean, just, I think, you know, people have kind of been joking or hinting about this for years, but I mean, we are creeping towards just the reality of like, look, if you want the player movement to stop or slow down, then the only way to do that is employment contracts um, that, that guarantee that they're going to be with the school for a certain period of time. That's really all you can do because the, the courts and DOJ and all that are not, are not going to back you up if you're the NCAA in terms of uh, transfer restrictions. That's very clear at this point. So uh, yeah, if, if Charlie Baker can, can, uh, uh, create this uh, this new new model here. Uh, I'm sure they will try to address that. But uh, but you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to control. And, and guys, I'm sure you've looked this up. But I mean, <laughs> a year from now, the national championship game is on January 20th. Yes. So yes. what is that going to mean for January and February in this sport and the portal and 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 uh, player movement and coach movement and all that? I mean, I think it's we are setting up for this to be uh, something that stretches far beyond just December here next year. So, Max, so Will Rogers decides after uh, talking to Jed Fish and probably, you know, looking around the landscape that he's going to decide to stay at Washington. What's still out there on the on the bone? What, what kind of uh, meat is there out there if there are more coaching changes or guys are still looking around when it comes to quarterback and, and just the remaining uh, players in the portal? Have all the big names kind of decided at this point or, or what are you still eyeing? Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, in terms of like the best available players, um, you know, I think the best one out there at this point is, is probably Jabbar Muhammad, the, the cornerback from Washington, um, who you know was a starter at Oklahoma State, uh, grad transferred to Washington uh, to, to to play corner for the Huskies defense this last season, and was one of the best corners in the Pac-12 and really in the country. And so for him, it's you know it's it's Alabama, it's Texas, it's Oregon. You know, he, he's Kind of the, the, the last big one kind of out there right now. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's going to be big attrition for Michigan. I'd be surprised. Um, but, yeah, he's the big one out there. And then in, in, certainly in terms of the quarterback market uh, with Will Rogers uh, staying put at Washington, which which makes sense. I mean, it, it's uh, that that's not really surprising. If, if Noah Fafita is staying in Arizona, um, I, I don't think if you're Jed Fish and you've already lost uh, Washington's two, two freshman quarterbacks out of the program too. Um, you know, I think Will Rogers is definitely your best bet out there. But um, there's Jane Delora, who's who's available again uh, after leaving Texas State. Uh, there's Jordan McLeod, the, the Sun Belt Player of the Year, who, uh, who was at James Madison this last season. But really, other you know, other than that, there's not much out there in terms of of, of started starting quarterbacks, guys that have uh, you know been been full or you know full season or multi year starters. Um, it, it's mostly settled, and especially when you have kind of these ad drop deadlines and stuff like that at these schools. A lot of this stuff has to be figured out now. So, yeah, we've uh, the market is mostly cleared up, but, uh, you know, certainly uh, late coaching changes have shaken things up a little bit this month. What is uh, Hugh Freeze's plan at quarterback? You know, I know that Peyton Thorne is still there, but they were mm-hmm. underwhelming at that position this year. It's a great question, and that is if you go through who's going where um, – 
Auburn is the one that I just really still put a question mark next to. And it's, it's unclear kind of what was the, what, what was the plan there? I, I think they were certainly in the market for a quarterback and, and for a QB one. Um, they've got a few guys in their room and, and obviously you can have competition and hope for improvement there. They've got some young guys in the program in addition to Thorne. But yeah, I think when, when Caden Salter, um, you know, the Cedar Hill grad uh, from Liberty who, who had a spectacular year for Liberty, when he went in the portal, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people just assumed he was going to Auburn. Um, and instead he pulled out of the portal and, and stayed at Liberty. And so um, I, w- I would imagine he was probably on, on Hugh Freeze's radar. I imagine there were quite a few quarterbacks. I, I heard even before this started, I, I, I heard a lot of speculation that, that Riley Leonard would be the guy for Auburn as, as a guy that's an Alabama native. And then, you know, Notre Dame swooped in and, and picked him up. So um, I don't know if uh, – <laughs> I, I don't know who that's going to be for Auburn. And, uh, you know, we were saying the same thing last year, and they ended up getting Peyton Thorne in the spring. So – um, they may be in that position again where, where that's like kind of the one the one school that's a little bit unresolved at the quarterback position going into uh, into April when the, the portal opens again. Max, I know we don't have much more time with you, but it's great to always have you on. But what in the world of the, uh, the, the, the confusion at Texas State with G.J. bringing in DeLara and then all of a sudden T.J. Finley, who was really good last year, Baylor knows that, and then all of a sudden he's gone – Hornsby's gone, mm-hmm. and now Delora's gone. Yeah, and, and, and T.J. Finley, um, you know, going to Western Kentucky, a place where he can obviously continue to put up big numbers. Um, you know, I think that the Jaden Delora story, it, it's a very complicated one. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, when, when the stuff, when, when the news came out about, uh, you know, what, what uh, led to occur when he was in high school, that, that probably should have been a little bit bigger story nationally and just kind of wasn't. Um, and uh, but but it's certainly it's certainly out there and it's it's troubling for sure and I think it uh, I I kind of figure you know you expected he would go in the portal after Noah Fafita took over you know as a retro freshman for Arizona but I I did think it would probably make it difficult for him to find somewhere else to go um, you know GJ Kenny and, and and Craig Sussman really bet on him and then Craig Sussman left to go be the OC at uh, San Jose State so I think it's just a very complicated deal and uh, it, it did not work out for GJ Kenny. And uh, you know, you, I, I don't know the order of operations there in terms of was, was Finley already leaving or not. I, I, I truly don't know. Uh, but certainly um, it's, it's a messy deal there. And uh, you know, Texas state is uh, after an excellent season for that program in year one under Kenny. Um, and, and they've got to figure out what they're uh, doing at quarterback there. But uh, yeah, that, that is uh that is a portal story that uh, did not work out very well, it seems. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Keep doing what you do. Uh, senior college football writer for TheAthletic.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.